Hi, everyone. This is Ron Jolson, and you're listening to the Christian Fellowship Community Forum podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Listeners of Christian Fellowship Community Presentations and any recordings acknowledge that these productions are exclusively owned by CFC and listeners agree to only use for their listening and not to make any use for any commercial reason. So welcome to our Christian Fellowship Community Forum. This is uh, session number 14, actually. And we are thrilled to have Keith Wagner, who is our all-time Northwestern Mutual leading producer. And I'm Ron Jolson. I'm your host this morning. Uh, And now it is my absolute pleasure to introduce Keith Wagner. And Keith has uh, been with Northwestern Mutual now for more than 30 years. He was a college intern in Long Beach, California. And he was Northwestern Mutual's leading uh, college intern in 1992 in the year 2000 at only age 32. Of course, now you can figure out exactly how old he is. Uh, Keith became the youngest in the company history to lead nationally in sales. And for 20 consecutive years in Northwestern Mutual's top 20, in 2018, after Keith's 20th consecutive year of making the top 20, Keith actually removed himself from the recognition and honors at Northwestern Mutual. Um, and kind of stepping aside for others, which was kind of neat when he did that. Uh, He sold over $6 billion of life insurance. Since 2011, he's been Northwestern Mutual's all-time cumulative leading producer, which dates back to 1857, which was Keith's first year in the business. Uh, In 2021, he was named number one financial security professional in the Forbes ranking of America's top financial security professionals. I said number one. Uh, He's married to Jeanette since 1996. They have four children. And frankly, uh, for me, Keith, it's great to have you uh, on this side of the mic. You've been where I am. You've been a host before. And but we really want to hear from you. And and I just love listening to you and how you are always uh, combining your your Christian and biblical thinking with what you do at work every day. And obviously, for all of us on the call, since we're all involved in some way with Northwestern Mutual, um, we we want to hear how you're doing that. Uh, and so today, the topic is everything I learned about selling, I learned from the Bible. Now, of course, the Bible is the number one bestseller in the world, Keith, but that's not what you're talking about. But everything you learned about selling, you learned from the Bible. So we have a couple of questions relating to that. But why don't we just get started as we like to, in general, with a little bit, uh, Keith, about your faith journey, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. And super excited to be here. So thanks for having me and, and really looking forward to today. Um, so I've shared my story before, um, although for those who haven't heard it, I mean, I, I grew up in a Christian home. So uh, my mother was kind of the, probably the spiritual leader when I was young. Uh, my dad was an elder at the church that we went to. And I just I mean, I can't ever remember not believing in God. So I kind of grew up and I was really lucky that way. And of course, um, as I got older, I started learning about Jesus and what it really meant to be a Christian. But I feel blessed that I was kind of brought up in that. And certainly, um, as we'll get to later, there's you know been times in my life, you know, high school, college and whatnot, that I, um, I wasn't walking in the faith like I probably knew I should be. But I've, um, I know that I've always had... Uh, 
uh, Jesus um, as the center of my life ever since I can remember. Mm. So, um, and frankly, we're in a great company where we can talk about this. And, and I mean, how amazing is it that we're at a fortune 100 company having the ability to do this nationally with people and just share, share our faith. So feel really, really blessed to be at Northwestern Mutual. It really, it really is awesome. And, you know, I, I think that um, there's a tone that has been set to do this and we're all very appreciative of that, uh, that we are an open and inclusive company. uh, And that includes uh, our, our Christian uh, values and faith as well. So, so Keith, you know, you, you know that in the Bible, you know, man was made to work, right. And that's part of what we do. Um, But you in particular have, really shaped a lot of your work habits from biblical principles. So could you share with the group a little bit about that? Yeah, I think today I'd love to talk about kind of uh, what I've learned regarding work and work ethic, work ethic, kind of what I've learned about kind of what the Bible teaches us about communication and, and what we say and how we say it. And then ultimately to the extent we have time share kind of what the Bible has taught me about just being a servant leader and serving others and empathy and what, uh, you know, just, um, those, those things. But I would say today, yeah, I mean, it's going to be more topical. I think, um, no, no deep dives on theology today. It's going to be just how these things have kind of helped me and what I've learned about being, you know, from being a Christian studying the Bible, our business and how these things are connected. But I would say, you know, ultimately, um, all of us have what I would consider a source book in our lives. And um, the the definition of a source book is a fundamental document on which subsequent writings, compositions, opinions, beliefs, or practices are based, kind of the definition. And we probably um, have all heard of different source books out there, but for those on the call, obviously the, the books that we hear about are Think and Grow Rich or The Seven Habits of Highly Successful People or how to win friends and influence people. All of these are kind of source books for business. But my source book has always been the Bible. And so when I think about the, the greatest book, and as you mentioned, Ron, the best-selling book, um, I mean, authored by God, there's probably a lot of things in this book that could be helpful to us in any aspect of what we do. So starting uh and by the way i don't think the bible just to make sure we're uh, i'm very clear is not it's not a it's not a prosperity gospel discussion not saying that the bible gives us secrets to become wealthy or you know collect a billion of aum or make form or anything like that i just think the bible has a lot of amazing principles that when we apply it to our lives in all areas simply can be helpful to us and one of the the first things is work and like you mentioned um you know, God worked. We were created in God's image and Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and in Genesis 2-2. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So that's why we were created. Um, Genesis goes on to talk about in chapter 2, verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden even to work it. And keep it. So work is in our genes. I feel like we should always work. I don't, I don't know that there's necessarily um, a quote doctrine of retirement in the Bible. I plan on working, you know, until I die at some capacity. 
Um, I just think that we're called to impact others with our time, talents, abilities, relationships. Um, so, so the first thing about, you know, what, what the Bible tells us about work is that, it, you know, that's why we're here. We're, we were created to do that. The second thing I think um, that comes up about work is, you know, how should we work? You know, and the short answer to that, I believe, is hard. You know, we should work hard. We should learn, work diligently. And the Bible is not shy at all about the ways in which we should work. Um, you know, one of my favorite verses is, is in Proverbs just on this is Proverbs 6, uh, 6. Go to the ant or consider the ant, you slugger. Consider its ways and be wise. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. So think about, I think about that. That's kind of like us in this business. You know, we don't have a boss. We don't have commanders. We don't have overseers. We don't have rulers. We're expected to, uh, to, to go to work and we're expected to be motivated self-motivated. And that's one thing that's unique in this business is because we don't have somebody telling us what to do, we need to make sure that we're uh, we're committed to our craft. And as you all know, how I I have specific ways to define work ethic. I mean, if you are an attorney or you're a CPA, uh, work ethic may be uh, you know how many hours you, you spend or how many hours you bill. Or if you're framing homes, how long you've been on the job. But in our business work ethic is simply defined as activity. And as you guys all know, what I say about that is kind of keeping 60 and getting 80 or more, but that's kind of how we define work. And the Bible goes on to talk about in Proverbs, whoever works his land will have plenty of plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense. All the worthless pursuits that we have at our disposal all the time, you know, whether it's Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, all these things that can kind of suck time away and completely lead us to things that are not productive. The Bible is very clear about it. Just kind of stay away from these things. Um, Proverbs 14, 23, in all toil, there's profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. How many of us know people who are always talking about the things they're going to do? always talking about these great ideas or stuff happening or the kind of the, the, the cases that are out there, but they, they're, they're not going to work. And uh, my philosophy, and again, what I've kind of gleaned from Proverbs and all of these verses is be somebody who talks less and does more. I think that's, that's pretty apparent here. Um, I love these other two verses uh, about kind of, I think they're almost like perfect verses for the life insurance business. But in first Timothy five, verse eight, but if anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for members of his household, he is denied his faith and is worse than an unbeliever. I thought about maybe putting that into tagline on my, on my emails, but I think maybe that was a good idea. Put it on your book show. <laughs> it could be on my bookshelf. Exactly. Uh, and then in Proverbs 13, 22, a good man leads an inheritance to his children's children. 
So all of these things that we read about, um, again, to me, point two, we are created. We're, we're only here for a certain amount of years. None of us know how many. And God has given all of us talents and abilities. We're all in this business. And, you know, the thing that, that none of us can ever replicate is time. I mean, that's our most important commodity. Northwestern Mutual is never going to run out of 65 life. I can promise everybody on the phone. You, you know our what? Time you, is, you're exactly right. But we just said something that's very interesting. As you went through some of these scriptures, they're not only instructive on how we should work. Some of our products and things that we do are actually helpful for our clients in order to achieve some of these biblical principles as well, right? And providing for grandchildren, et cetera. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's, that's why that verse is so, I mean, kind of jumps off the page for me because, yeah, I mean, it is biblical. The planning that we help our clients with is biblical from a standpoint. It is helping them leave inheritances. It is helping them protect for their relatives, for members of their own family, and to leave things to their children's children, if possible. Um, so it's we we have a, such a powerful tool to help people do biblical things. A powerful career enabling us to do that. Um, I think something else that I'd love for you to touch on, and because I think this is really important and also sometimes difficult to uh, incorporate the purpose of our our work, Keith. What would you say about that? Yeah, so that's that's kind of uh, ultimately the key here. And in Colossians, Colossians three um, says that whatever whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, and I can say that um, I have learned this over my career. It didn't start this way for me. Um, you know, if you would have asked the 21 year old or 22 year old Keith Wagner, the purpose of my work, um, being just young and, and not as mature in my faith, I would have said, well, the reason I'm in this business for a lot of reasons is just the ability to have a career with unlimited financial upside. You know, the way I was, it was communicated to me is I could drive any kind of car and live in any kind of house. And it was really about how I became successful. And earlier in my career, I can say that for sure I was working for myself. It wasn't about anyone else. It was purely selfish motives. And I think, I hope, um, I pray that as a Christian and my, as my walk with Jesus has uh, continued, I, I hope that I've matured in my career to see that the work that I do and all of us do can really bless others. And it's one of the ways that we can really serve Christ is through our work. Yeah. Um, and that's, I would say that's definitely something that's changed over my career. It wasn't always, it wasn't always like that. Yeah, no, it's really uh, part of it sometimes is because as Christians, we're often focused on salvation and what that means. And that's important. But it's also about lordship. And when Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, uh, then that means sort of every area. And what you're touching on is making sure that we include work as one of those places where we consider him the Lord of our work life as well. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And so um, I know that another area that you um, have touched on in, in our conversations has been how important communication is. Now, that's obviously critical in what, what we do every day in our work. But what, what does the Bible say about that? Eve? Well, it says a lot. I mean, and, and you know, communication is critical in our business um, simply because words are kind of the, the tools that we use. I mean, that's the, the words are the tools that we use in our craft. And we've all heard, um, uh, you know, examples of great communicators. But, you know, you think about Ronald Reagan, you know, the great communicator. We in our business, we think about maybe Tom Lipscomb as somebody who is just this epic legend of crafting language that is meaningful to people and helpful to people. Um, And then I, I, you know, read a lot when I hear Paul in the Bible. I think he's unbelievable. We'll get to kind of some of the things that he says that I think could be helpful to us. But the Bible has a lot to say about communication. The first thing I take away is how we should communicate. You know, what are, what is the the spirit of communication? And um, I go to Ephesians uh, four and Colossians, but Ephesians four 29, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And then in Colossians 4, 6, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to how you ought to answer each person. And what I've learned from that over the years is, you know, there's in every single meeting, uh, we have the opportunity to leave somebody feeling better about themselves or worse about themselves. We, that's a, that's a, uh, in our control. And I try to, you know, always, always leave a conversation with a client knowing and having them feel better about themselves than when I got there the first time, how many of us know people in our lives where you see them coming, you get a smile on your face because they're always so gracious and they're always so uplifting. You want to be around those people. And I think, you know, the opposite is, is when we're, you know, there's just simply no place for foul language or uh, crude jokes or anything in our profession. It's just never, it's, there's no good ever. Even if you feel like you have that type of relationship with somebody or whatever, there's just no upside to it ever. So just being conscious of how we communicate and what we say, I think is, is critical. That's number one. Number two, uh, there's a lot of verses about just how to be a good communicator. Proverbs is a lot, it has a lot of them, but a couple of them, in Proverbs 18, 23, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Um, another one, Proverbs 25, 11, a word fitly spoken is apples of gold in a setting of silver. So, in our business, I feel like we know all the answers pretty much all the time, meaning we know uh, what we're going to say long before this person finishes his question or objection or concern. And the reason is because we've been down this road so many times with so many people. And how many times are we just biting our tongues waiting to shout out or say the answer versus really trying to understand and listen to what they have to say. 
Um, and so I've practiced this. I'm not, I, I'm, I would say I'm, I'm a way, way better at it today than I ever have been, but it's something I've really had to work on to be patient and just, um, I guess cadence is a word that I've learned, you know, just being patient and listening, listening, listening before I give an answer. Um, Proverbs 18.2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his own opinion. We have two ears and one mouth, as we all know. And this is also, you know, in Stephen Covey's book, his, his uh, fifth habit is seek first to understand, then to be understood. So that's what I'm saying. All of these principles that you may read about in other books, I think many, if not all of them, ultimately, you know, come from this book. This book is the, the beginning. Um, so I think those are kind of ways that I, I try to practice my communication is, is just being a good listener, which gets to some other things that we'll chat about in a moment. And I think there's also some examples of, of, uh, people in the Bible that, that give us good ideas on how to communicate. And Paul is one of them, Peter, uh, of course, Jesus and God, but I'll go through a couple. One is think about these verses. I'll just, I'll read these verses and think of it as in the context of as we're meeting with our clients. So Galatians 1, 1, Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Christ Jesus and God, the father who raised him from the dead. First Peter 1, 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Romans 1, 1, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. What, what Paul and Peter do unapologetically is um, create credibility. They're saying before they, Paul writes the rest of his letter, Peter writes the rest of the letter, here's who I am. And here's why you may want to pay attention or listen to me. And I think this happens in our business a lot. And I think that we need to, at least what I've learned is how to set the table, I would say, in those first meetings or with clients to let them know my experience before we get started. Let them know what I do, how long I've been doing, what my specialties are, um, how I can be helpful to them and how I can be serving them. And that may be simply in the first you know, two minutes of a, of a meeting with a new person. Hey, Ron, this is, you know, so glad that we had the chance to, to meet today. Um, just a little bit about myself. I've been at Northwestern Mutual for 32 years and my practice has been working with people in finance, just like yourself for my entire career. Uh, and so my ability to kind of just know what some of the issues are and help you and kind of understand and then design structures or plans that can be helpful um, is something that uh, I have expertise in, but today is really just about how to serve you. So that might be something that could be your specialty. Jay Berman, who's on the call, I was talking to him. He, he says to every client, we had this conversation yesterday, I'm a fiduciary, which means I put your interest first. I answer to my compliance officer. I answer to Northwestern Mutual, but most, most importantly, I answer to God. So whatever that line is, but giving yourself uh, credibility in some way. And then I think about um, Deuteronomy 5, 6. And we have to, you know, our clients have such amazingly short memories. And I love how God um, starts the Ten Commandments. Most of the time, 
if you were to say, how does the Ten Commandments start? Somebody would say, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, your mind. Or that's, you know, they, they just start with number one. But that's not how the Ten Commandments start. The Ten Commandments start with, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. He reminds his people before he tells them all the things that they need to do, but he constantly reminding his people in the Bible. Uh, it starts in, in Genesis in Genesis and goes all the way through the end of the Bible. God has to remind us about what he's done all the time. And I feel like in our business, we have to do the same thing. We have to constantly be reminding our clients uh, of the work that we do. Um, and so I think that's always been really great. And then a couple other ones, and we can move on to some servant leadership stuff. But um, another great skill I've learned from the Bible has been through Paul. And I'll read two verses, and you guys can think about kind of how this would play in context to what we do every day. But Romans 9, 14, what shall we say then? Is there any injustice on God's part? By no means. And then Roman nine, nine, Romans 9, 19, you will say to me then, why does he still find fault? For who can resist his will? So Paul was a master, master communicator. And he's talking in this thing about a pretty heavy doctrine, the doctrine of election. election. And, um, and he knows there's going to be questions about it. He knows. And so instead of waiting for these people to ask the questions, Paul answers these questions from a position of strength. He anticipates what they're going to say because it's heavy stuff. And he knows they're, they're going to be shaking their heads and wondering, and how many times does this come up constantly in our work? Where I've learned through Paul to be so much better about how I communicate. But let me give you an example. Um, hey, Ron, you know, one of the things that a lot of my clients often wonder uh, when they see the differences is, is, does it really make sense to structure their life insurance as a, as a fixed income bill, permanent life insurance, where we could be saving these dollars, have them accumulate uh, the tax advantages we mentioned, or does it just make more sense to buy term and invest the rest on their own, invest the money on their own. And notice Ron's head right now. When I just asked that question, what he's doing, he's doing this. Why? Because every single person, if they're smart, when we ask that question first, that's exactly what they're thinking. They're literally now, taught that in, in business school if they go to business school. That's yeah, yes, yes. And so, and so if we're waiting for them to come back to us and say, hey, Keith, you know what I heard is better to buy term and invest the difference. Now we're answering that objection from a position of weakness versus we know they're thinking of it and why not bring it up ourselves just like Paul does in the Bible and address it from a position of strength. Another example would be, hey, Ron, we've talked a lot about uh, so many things and, and gone through this. Um, most of my clients at this point really want to think about it. And again, notice Ron's head again. So, you know, by, by knowing what they're going to say, we can, we can preempt a lot of the objections that we get just by using good communication skills, which again, I've learned specifically from the Bible. So a lot of these things are kind of fun just to see. Um, again, I'm not trying to pull these out of context just to, to do more. I just think it's very fascinating that the author of the Bible 
there's so much wisdom in here as we read it. And when I'm in church, so many times I've been listening to a sermon and I hear something and the way my brain works, so I go, man, that's exact. I could apply that exactly to what I do, to what I say or how I communicate. So there's just some examples about the kind of communication. And that's, that's terrific. And, you know, I, I think about too, that, you know, when Jesus uh, uh, communicated, sometimes he used parables and stories can be powerful in our business too, right? So uh, I, I even take away some of the techniques that he used to get his point across. We can use them day to day. I use stories all the time when I'm speaking to clients. So I'm, I'm sure you do as well. That's a great point. No, absolutely. I mean, it's again, there's so there's so many. I mean, these three things, work ethic and, and communication and uh, you know, servant leadership are certainly not exhaust, exhaustive of, of how many topics there are that we could be learning from. So, well, know, I mean, the stories are great. We're, we're running short on time, but I'd love for you, if, even if we could just touch quickly before we go to break out that last point, servant leadership. You want to hum a few bars of that? Because I know you live that every day. And I, I'd love for our listeners to understand how you practice that. Yeah, I mean, so... <laughs> I mean, there's, there's just so much here and I, and I'll, I'll go through it quickly, but you know, the Bible, the Bible has so much to teach about kind of how we should live our lives. And, um, you know, in Galatians bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ, you know, about being, um, uh, you know, empathetic too, I think is a critical part of being a servant leader. But if, you know, the single, the single greatest trait in sales is not work ethic or how smart you are or uh, what school you went to. It's just, it's being empathetic. That's what connects people. And there's so much on this. As far as being a servant, um, John 13, 12, you know, think about this. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. For as I've given you an example that you also should do just as I've done for you. The greatest among you shall be your servant. In Matthew 23, whoever exalts himself will be humble and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. It go, I mean, it goes on and on and on. And John, this is my commandment that you love one another as I love you. So again, we're called to do this and I'm <laughs> not perfect about it. <laughs> at all, but it's, it's something that, I mean, the things that I say today, I know the way I communicate is much differently than what, how it was five or 10 or 15 years ago. I feel like I'm getting better at it, but I use this. I use the word serve very, very often in meetings. I would never do that as a younger version of Keith. Sure. It was never again. Now it's, it's completely different. And what I'm telling my clients is I'm look, I'm just here to see if there's a way to serve your family. Mm-hmm. and and really help you that's why i'm here i mean um, that, atti- it, that attitude keith is exactly what being a christian is about we we humble ourselves we know that we need a savior it's all part of uh, lowering ourselves being a servant i think uh it's critical you know last point let's uh, jump to, to break out it's just on ethics we don't have to spend a lot of time it's pretty obvious what these are but i would say that um, treating our clients the way that we would like to be treated, which is the kind of the golden rule, uh, you know, from, from Matthew and then in Galatians, um, it, it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that we work for free. 
and 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 we still um, should be paid for the work that we do, but we do need to make sure that we are above reproach at all times and ethical in all of our transactions. So with that, I know we kind of went through this very quickly. And again, if I ever, uh, I know Ron's re, uh, writing a book today. We know we're gonna, very excited to get that. I always thought if I if I ever write a book, this will be the title, just to let everyone know. Um, everything I learned about selling, I learned from the Bible. But there's just so much here. And it was fun to kind of share a few things with you guys. And I know we'll have a couple of minutes on the back end. So take it away. Awesome. Thank you, Keith. So we're going to go to breakout um, a little bit shorter, but that's all right. We're going to go. We're going to head there immediately. Just think about uh, talking about two things. One, has the Bible influenced your work? And if so, how? And the second question after listening to Keith, what action steps uh, can you take uh, for the uh, by having making sure that the Bible is influencing your work? So kind of those two things. Let's go to breakout and we'll see you all again in a few minutes. All right. It's good. It's good to be back. Uh, we had a great breakout room. I think we ran out of time, uh, but that's OK. So, uh, Keith, what, what did you get? You want to relay a point or two uh, in your breakout? Yeah, we had great discussions around kind of servant leadership, what it means, how blessed we are. As I, I we talked about kind of, you know, you know, just the the ability to love others. Um, and kind of that golden rule and what we do every day. Cause there's so many careers out there that this is not a part of the, the gig. Right. I mean, I said, my dad was an electrical engineer for Raytheon, but he didn't really have the ability to serve others. If he's building a, a radar system for a fighter jet, you know, so we have this amazing ability to really, um, to do God's work and to really serve every single day with the clients that we're seeing. Absolutely. And in our our breakout, we echoed some of that. Um, just a few of the comments that I found interesting. Somebody mentioned, you know, in the beginning of their career, very much all about building for themselves. But then very quickly, as you move through your career, you realize, wow, you're really out there helping others, serving others. Uh, and then someone else said, and, and actually the purpose of planning uh, you know, helps that client fulfill scripture. And, and you found that to be very meaningful. Um, I would just say one other point on some of the things in our room that I noticed, um, which is, you know, it some of this mirrors what happens in salvation, right? When When we start out, a lot of times being a Christian starts out what we're doing for ourselves in terms of our salvation, our eternal reward. But very quickly, it moves toward lordship and what's important to God. And I think our careers are kind of moving in that same direction. We may start out selfishly or thinking about ourselves, but in the end, uh, we know that it, that it is ultimately for God and that is the purpose. Absolutely. So I don't know if you can all hear the building going on in my house, but I, I apologize if you can. <laughs> all right. Uh, and I would, I would say one other thing before you wrap up, Ryan, and that is, mm -hmm. look, we talked about the Bible today and we're obviously we were taking pieces out of it and as they apply to what we do, but ultimately the Bible is, is about the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. It's about our sin nature as, as, as man and how God sent his son Jesus to uh, pay the ultimate sacrifice. So we can have eternal life. And I would be remiss if I just didn't mention there, there may be people on this call or hearing this that have not, you know, just kind of not at peace with where they're going to be. 
and they, they don't really know what's going to happen. Uh, and eternity is a very, very, very long time, you know, open a, uh, pour yourself a glass of wine one night and contemplate eternity. It's, it's a, it's a very, uh, daunting subject. And I would just reach out and say, look, if you're somebody out there who hasn't, uh, accepted Christ, who doesn't know what that means, who is wondering what it means, how to do it, uh, what that looks like, um, feel free to email me. You can email me directly, Keith. Uh, Wagner at nm.com and I will be happy to kind of spend some time and share share what that means with you and get you connected to other people perhaps in your office that could uh that can uh, mentor and and uh and help you along in that that decision that's awesome so I was going to ask for your final thought and that sounds like the perfect one uh so with that thank you Keith thank you so much for just an amazing afternoon thanks to everybody who participated and all of your comments Thank you for joining us. And for more information, visit our website, www.christianfellowshipcommunity.org. The Christian Fellowship Community is an independent, not-for-profit corporation. CFC is supported by volunteers and through donations from its participants. Neither CFC nor this episode are endorsed by, affiliated with, or promoted by Northwestern Mutual.